Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, I have to believe that on occasion anyway, Jesus and John, as they were growing up, played with each other because they were pretty close in age. They got to know each other, but they took very different paths. Jesus, for all we know, stayed in Nazareth and worked in his father's shop and did what he needed to do, where John rebelled. John got out of Dodge. He went out to the, the desert, out in the Jordan Valley, and he joined up with the Essenes, which was sort of a, a bizarre sort of community out there where they would eat um, stuff like cage-free locusts, <laughs> non-GMO honey, and stuff like that. And uh, although I wonder sometimes if John, when he was growing up, kind of had a, had a hankering for that kind of food, that maybe mom put locusts and honey in a blender and put it in, on bread and sent him off to school. But um, so John... John took a very different path, and he became something of an Elijah, an Old Testament prophet. And Elijah was the one who went before the evil king Ahaz and his wife, his wife Jezebel and, and, and told them that they needed to get their acts together. So John had that kind of ferve and verve, and he was these... He was the, the one who <clears throat> then went out into the desert and cried out to the people that they had to come, get themselves baptized, and change their lives. Or God was going to have his way with them. But there was something fresh about John's voice. He wasn't like the religious types of Jerusalem who had power because they were compliant with the Romans. And they strolled around in their robes and acted like big shots. They had positional power, but no personal substance. Where John had nothing, but he had personal power. And he had the word of God burning up in him as if from his bones like Jeremiah. And he would cry out to the people. And people came from all Judea. They came to see him, and he baptized them in the Jordan. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the third chapter of Matthew. Why is it that we need these things, huh? I didn't used to. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was repent, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, His is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore leather, a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. 
when we saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God is, God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down, thrown into fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater, that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. The word of the Lord. A real contrast between these two the tone of the text changes dramatically. I tried to represent it the way I read it. John is tough. He wants to confront people with their sin. And he wants them to turn from their sin, start a new life, admit that they have sinned, get it out of their system, and move on. And he does so with with anger. I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of humor in John. He's a prophet. And as Frederick Beekner says, prophets never get invited to dinner a second time. <laughs> He's got that that deep sense of justice and right and wrong. And he is unable to to get beyond that. Until the people come to him. And one after another, he, he takes them and, and immerses them in the waters of the Jordan. And they come out and they hug him and they, they weep and they, they turn from their sins. That's what repentance means. It means to, to turn. It can mean to be sorry. It doesn't have to be sorrow. But it does mean to turn from a particular way of life and start a new life. And John is also here acting out metaphorically what the people of God have gone through throughout their whole history. They were enslaved in Egypt. They passed through the waters of the Red Sea. 
And on the other side of the Red Sea, they had a whole new life with the promised land out in front of them. So using the water was like that experience of passing through the waters of the Red Sea and, and the newness of life out, of, out ahead of them. So John called on the people to come and to be baptized, but this was, this was very radical for the people because the religious authorities believed that there was no need for them to be baptized. All they had to do is adhere to the law. Why be baptized? Why go through this ritual of renewal when all they have to do is obey the law? And they had their ritual cleanings, but not baptism, which constituted a whole new direction, a whole new way of doing things. You know, Soren Kierkegaard wrote in his book Against Christendom, he actually wrote a critique about baptism, particularly as he was writing in Denmark. Because at that time in the first half of the 19th century, baptism was, was like just one of the things you do. It's just what you did because you were born in, in Denmark. Everyone did it. And it lost its meaning, it lost, it lost its power. And he was calling upon the church to restore what it meant to be baptized. This is where those who've been baptized as adults oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes have a, at least a spiritual psychological advantage because they, they have an experience of going from one status to another status. Going from one place in life to another place. Whereas when we baptize infants, what we're saying is that they are born into a Christian home and of course they are part of the church because baptism is a ritual, a rite of entry into the church. So we have to stay in touch with what it means to be baptized. Martin Luther in the toughest times of his life and in times of prayer he would, he would recite to himself, I am baptized, I am baptized, I am baptized. I have no memory of mine. Many of you have no memory of yours. But it doesn't make it any less true. We are baptized. We now are members of the kingdom that is breaking in upon us. We belong to Christ and his people. That's what it means. And so John called upon the people of God to repent of their sins, to be made new. And then Jesus comes, and he sees his cousin, and he, he says, Jesus, you should baptize me. I mean, being who you are versus being who I am. You should be doing the baptizing. But notice Jesus' tone is so gentle. Jesus says, no, this is what God requires. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to demonstrate to all those who are following. This is the requirement of God. And so Jesus himself submits to baptism. And John does 
this act of baptism, but also to demonstrate it's not what we do. Baptism is something God does. Baptism may happen amongst other Christians, but we are in that place to be baptized as an act of God. And yes, we, you know, we pour the water, we bring the, we bring the baby in, and we, we have all that fun with the baby when we do the baptism. We do a lot. But what we declare at such times as we do during the sacrament is that this is God's doing, not our own. It's what God is doing in our lives and in our hearts. We can't do it ourselves. See, the problem with John's baptism is it gave people a sense that, okay, now I've got to clean up my act. I've got to do something different here. I have to make myself a better person. And how much of religion is understood as being, I, I've just got to, I've got to do things differently. As opposed to, I have to embrace what it means to be made new. I have to enter into what it means to belong to God. And not submit myself to the slavery of that Egypt of sin. That's one of the beauties of what goes on at St. Matthew's house. And they know that they were enslaved. And they come forth out of treatment and they... And their treatment is not just kind of psychological stuff. It's very deeply spiritual stuff. And they know that they are free and they want to stay free. That means leaving those addictions behind, leaving those choices behind. They want to move in a direction of freedom. But they also know that it is the work of God that is realistic and that is happening in their lives. It's not nothing they have done. C.S. Lewis depicts this beautifully in the voyage of the Don Treader, which is one of the chronicles of Narnia. And he talks about Eustace. Uh, Lewis was such a brilliant man. Eustace was a, one of the children in the story that caused all kinds of trouble. And out of the trouble that he caused, and out of his attitude and self-serving nature, uh, he got transformed into a dragon. And um, Eustace, whose name sounds like useless, Eustace uh, is a dragon and he's tried to fix himself. He's tried, but he can't do it. And Eustace is encountered by Aslan the lion, who is the Christ figure of the Chronicles. Then the lion said, but I don't know that if it spoke, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now, so I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I had done myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much for I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin on. And he threw me into the water. 
It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious, and soon I started swimming and splashing. I had turned into a boy again. The dragon had turned into a boy. And he entered into the new identity that was the consequence of the hand of God tearing off the dragony skin, throwing him into the water, and making him new. The newness of God that is his promise to us. Now, Soren Kierkegaard, when he wrote, wrote about the institutional church and how often church becomes just one of those things that we do. And I believe it's necessary when children are little that, yes, we, we drag them to church, kicking and screaming. And uh, we do what we have to do because, well, they have to go to school also. And they've got to mind their manners and they've got to speak well to people. We, I mean, the church is part of that. But we, we have to be reminded it's not a human, uh, it's not a human accomplishment that people come to faith. It's something that happens to us because of the fact that our God baptizes us with fire by the Holy Spirit. And whether or not we were baptized little or as an adult, we go through those times when we have a quickening, awake and awakening, where somehow God has done something to us and made us just, at least we know, different. And just as C.S. Lewis described, sometimes it hurts. It hurts because we have to see us as we really are. And then allow God to define us. To give us a new identity. To make us new. And it's not just a once and done experience. It happens all the time. In our lives, every single day, if we're alert to the very presence and the power of God in our lives, he does it all the time. I don't know if this is an example or not, but just driving down to church this morning at about 7.30, I was just moved to pray as I drove. Just a moment where I turned off the, the radio and just prayed as I drove. Every single day, God does something. And all we need to do is respond to his prompting. When I was doing youth ministry, I had a bunch of kids up at Forest Home Christian Conference Center in Southern California. And for the most part, these conferences are just a bunch of, bunch of fun, bunch of kids, two or three hundred kids, speakers that are, that are more funny than anything. And it's just, we have this phenomenal time together. And I had this one kid who's a wild man, high school kid, probably, well, like some of you when you were in high school, just crazy guy. And at the end of our time, before we went down, we went out to Lake Mears. And I just told the kids that even if they were already baptized as babies, you know, we can do a reenactment of their baptism. 
we'll go back and tell the church when we got back. And he came up to me and looked at me and I, I was expecting some dumb comment, you know, just being a kid and all that. He looked at me and he started to weep. And he said, Pastor, would you baptize me? He never called me pastor. And of course, I took him out into the lake and I baptized him and brought him out and he was smiling huge and he hugged me. I have a picture of it up to this day upstairs in my office. And he became a young man who has been a youth director at a huge church in Southern California. He's got four kids. And he became new. Nothing I did, nothing that the camp did. It's just what God did. Another occasion, my church in, in Texas, a young man came up to me after church. And he said, Pastor, will you baptize me? I'm Jewish. I need you to baptize me in secret because I won't be able to return to my family if they know I've been baptized. But something's happened in my life. And when you did the baptism this morning, I knew that that was what I needed and that I wanted. So I, I gave him a hug, took a couple of the elders with me and we went into the chapel. We had a baptism together. He understood that he was now part of a whole new community. And that young man at Lake Mears at Forest Home understood that he was now part of a whole new community. That he had passed through the waters, the Red Sea had parted. And he was in the wilderness perhaps, but he had a clear sense of what the promised land looked like as he moved forward in his life. And so it is that we as his people respond to the prompting of God in our hearts. Fail to do so is to enter into that place where we don't want to be a part of that chaff. We don't want to be a part of that tree at which the axe is currently laid. We don't want to be a part of that life that is enslaved, is not free, and isn't full of joy. Instead, we want to enter into the promises of God. So as his children, and it doesn't really matter how old we are when we receive our baptism, as his children, it is our calling to enter into and fully embrace what it means to belong to God. Will you join me in prayer? And grant it, O Lord, that we, by your work within us, by the transformation that when we are aware, when we're sensitive to it, Lord, may we allow that your spirit have your way with us so that we might be even daily, even by, even by our moments, be made new.
tear off the knobbly old stuff. Throw us into the water, O Lord. Make us new. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.